Welcome to the podcast, Entrepreneur Perspectives, building and protecting your business one podcast at a time, a CatSource production. In this episode, I chat with Danny Nessum, founder and owner of ANC Management, a boutique PEO and insurance brokerage firm. This episode exists because of CatSource. CatSource is your content team. You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? That's what we do. Content strategy, creation, and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CadSource, we exist to help you create and share amazing content. And yes, you should have a podcast. We'll help you. Learn more by visiting kezcontent.com. Danny's knowledge and experience in the PEO world make this essential listening for anyone running or working at a small to medium-sized business. Add to that the amazing background and stories Danny shares. We get into everything from benefits, health insurance, soccer, coaching new sports, living in France and Israel, and stories of family members that dealt with persecution in Europe in the early and mid-1900s. With so much to talk about, we welcome Danny Nessum. What did you think about going remote? Did you think that people will be able to have the same type of efficiency? No. No, I didn't. But I got to tell you something. It's weird. But the one thing that I found that's interesting is that a lot of the pre-calls before everybody went remote was just just on the phone. Yeah. Since it's gone remote, everything is Zoom, go to the meeting. And the initial call is more productive with clients when you can interact face-to-face with them. Yep. I've gotten much better responses you know, I could joke around with a client because I could see him, he could see me. Right. And I actually find it better. It's weird, but I find it better. Like my business, fortunately, because of the COVID, volume has gotten, for me, very high. Right. Because people are looking to find a way to cut their cost, but not cut the quality of the benefits at the same time. And what I do gives them that option. Yeah, I hear that. Where are you out of? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So ah, sure. I was going to ask you, what town are you in? I'm in Jericho, Long Island. Okay. In New York. Got it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the other side, upstate, western New York. So I'm from Buffalo originally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I've come down south and stayed down south. <laughs> they called us, you're a Yankee, but the ones that stay, it's the damn Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> I used to come down and play uh, soccer tournaments in North Carolina. Okay. I used to coach soccer. Also, my kids played at Rally, North Carolina, yeah, college sure. showcases. Sure. I used to coach a very good soccer team. What? type of club did you coach or what was the club? It was Dix Hills in Long Island. Okay. And one of our teams was, from a travel team perspective, probably number two in the nation. And the other one, which I coached, was probably number 25 in the country. Oh, wow. uh, Ranking-wise. That's awesome. I used to live in Europe, so I used to play soccer all the time. Where are you from? I was going to say, because your accent. I was born here, but when I was young, I lived in both France and Israel. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. So I'm part French, part Israeli. Okay. Wow. And Israel too. That's all we do is play soccer. Yeah. Yeah. We got no baseball and football. Yeah. (laughs) So are you Jewish? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, it makes sense, right? You're in Long Island from Buffalo. Same thing. My great grandmother was seven and they came over from Russia and they got kicked out. So they went to Niagara Falls, New York. And so there was a big Russian Jews from that lived in the Niagara Falls area. Niagara Falls, New York is very different today. It's a lot African-American, culture has changed. And so, but then eventually moved to Buffalo, which is 20 minutes away. So just that whole story, as you know, my parents used to go on trips to Israel, I think two or three times. 
Yeah, I actually, I haven't been there for a long time. And last year, my son did a semester abroad. My son goes to Cornell. Sure. So he did a semester in Israel. For him. I went there and God, I haven't seen my family in 14 years. Oh, wow. So I went for a week to visit him. He was at the University of Tel Aviv. Me and him had the best time for one week. I introduced, I have such yeah. a huge family in Israel. How cool. It's crazy. My father actually, he was born in Iraq. If you were born before 1948, you were not born in Israel. And he was actually called it the Haganah. He used to smuggle people in from Syria into Israel when it was forced, became a country. Yeah. And he got caught. He got caught by the Syrians. He was put in jail. And this is a story he told me. Three days before him and two other guys in the Haganah were supposed to get executed, there was a rescue team that got him out of the Syrian jail. Wow. And I'm sitting there listening to this and saying, if that happened, I wouldn't be around. Yeah. So think about how crazy that is. Yeah, it's just amazing. When you say that and you think about the odds of even being here, just anybody being born, and then you start throwing in the situations that were for centuries that have been going on and people being persecuted or kicked out of countries or perhaps family members were set to be killed. It's just, there's probably no words for it. It's wild. My mom and my grandmother were hiding in France during the German occupation, during the World War. Okay. They were hiding in a basement with about 50 other people. Oh, wow. And one of the guys who was the guy who organized them hiding told my grandmother and my mom to leave that night. <laughs> and they could not understand why. Just them. He told them, leave. Mm -hmm. They left the hiding place. The next day, the Germans came, took everybody and killed them. Wow. He was a collaborator with the Germans, but he liked my mom and my grandmother. And he told them, leave. So where'd they go? They just left and they went to another hiding spot oh, wow. in France. But if, if he didn't say that to them, yeah. they would have been rounded up. I listen to these stories and I'm like, I'm just amazed. It is amazing. I was reading The Librarian at Auschwitz. And it's a story about this girl at Auschwitz. And she protected this book with her life. And it was a book that was torn to shreds. And, and just early on, and there's just a story that they tell where the guards were going to come in there and do a check. And if they found anything on them, they were just going to kill them, right? She did everything in her power. It's, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like you're saying, like the opportunity that they didn't have, but understanding that anything that they could latch onto, they would latch onto it and to hold out some sort of hope. And, and hearing these stories, like you said, of, of being during German occupation in France, you can't even imagine it, right? It seems to me that's why you're out here and taking advantage of it, having a smile on your face. What are the odds of you even being here right now? That has to make a difference. You know, what? Like, this is when I see all this garbage going around with people looting and what's going on in these cities. And I'm saying, why don't you just be appreciative of being an American and having the freedom that a lot of us did not have yeah. a long time ago? It just really baffles me what I see out there. Yeah, I understand that. My son talks about that a lot. Try to find this gratefulness and just the fact that you can show up on the soccer fields. That's why I was asking you before about soccer. My son plays soccer. And oh, does was, he? Yeah, we love it. He? he's a goalkeeper. My son was a goalkeeper too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's an incredible position. I mean, there's, I'm sure you got to teach. It's a tough or, position. It's very tough, very lonely back there. I've heard so much of 75% mental. Obviously, yes. you have to be able to handle it, but it's amazing to watch. It's very difficult as a parent to watch, but you just let him do his thing and continue to work hard and, and work on the, mental side of it. How old is he? He's now 16. Wow. Yeah. He started later. So he's maturing and growing. And you know what? Most important thing is he loves 
going to practice. He loves training. He loves one-on-one training. He loves just being on the field. That's awesome. There's the ups and downs, of course, with it. It's never perfect. And you could train as much as you want. And then something happens in a game that you just couldn't have expected. But when he finds that it core is the toughest position to be a parent. Yeah. Because you're a hero or you're a goat half the time. What about the coach and a parent? <laughs> is that tough? Well, when I was coaching, of course it was. I yeah. mean, I, <laughs> you're trying to win, but you're trying to make it a good experience and you're trying to make everybody happy. But there's also the lower part of the bench and you're trying to win major tournament. It's kind of tough. I mean, yeah. it's, it's always exhausting. But you know what? The kids I coach are always respectful. They always had a good time. I was very passionate. Everybody enjoyed playing for me. If I lose the game, I was fine. As long yeah. as they played hard, I didn't have any problem with losing. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I was listening to some of your broadcasts. Pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, the content and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you this. Your team had reached out to us and, yes. hey, would you consider having Danny on the podcast? We have some back and forth. And I'll say this. You never know who you're going to talk to. I mean, if you would have said, hey, we're going to talk about growing up in Israel and France, German persecution, talk <laughs> about Israel, we're going to talk about soccer. <laughs> Maybe I'm not surprised anymore because... That's why I enjoy creating content, having podcast conversations, because you don't know who you're going to talk to. It's funny because we're working with my father who just wrote a book and it's a novel, but it's interesting because the main character is Jewish and becomes this G.I. Joe for Israel almost in a way, but he doesn't even know it. But long story short, you hear all these stories. Like I hear about my great grandfather being a gun runner for the state of Israel and getting weapons to where they needed to go. So then you get on a podcast with someone like yourself and we get to bounce around on all those different topics. Like we can get into the insurance, we can get into the (laughs) business stuff and that's super important. This is the stuff that matters. And this is what leads to all those things because then you contribute to society. You're you're working on something that you're really passionate about and helping people with. But that's what our content is, is, is the opportunity to have a conversation with someone that we otherwise would never have had that conversation. You and I are not talking if we don't have a podcast right now. And how cool is it? And I have these stories and I get to learn from it and share these stories and listen, and I'll pay more attention to it. And whether if my son or my daughters listen to it, or I get to talk to my dad about it or my business partner, it's a lot of fun. So I mean, at the core of it all is the content, is the story. If we can feature you and your business and help your business out along the way, then how awesome is that? But if I get to learn something from that or have more appreciation for what I'm going to do today, that's what this is. Truly, that's what it is. And it's just... You know what? It makes for a good day too. So, you know, all I've ever done and what I like to do is educate. Yeah. Educate, help employers, help employees do something good. Yeah. I was an accountant to start with and I was looking at numbers all day. And after four years, I said, God, this is not for me. I'm more of a person who likes to interact with people. I'm more personable. I like to educate. I like to help. And that's why I went into this business. And it's been amazing. Yeah. Nothing beats walking for yourself too. (laughs) Well, that's the fact. Talking about entrepreneurial lifestyle and the decision-making that you have to say, I'm going to have the nerve to go out and start something from scratch or buy something or whatever that is to get into that entrepreneurial way. It's a lifestyle. It impacts everything around you and you have to work through it. And it's up and down and there's factors that are up and down that you control and there's factors up and down that you have zero control over like a pandemic or something even smaller or competition or... The weather, right? I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Listen, I started the business when I was young. I was just married and I went from a salary company in accounting to commissions and was hoping to make it. Mm -hmm. And my wife supported me (laughs) the first two years. 
So she could tell me anything she wants and I have to say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's a seven-figure business for me. And the business was really more about networking, really having relationships with centers of influencers. Mm -hmm. Since I come from the accounting world, I do a lot of business with accounting firms who are looking to bring value to their clients. And the interesting thing is what I do, the benefits is usually the second biggest expense companies have after payroll. Mm -hmm. So when people are looking to see where they can improve or how can they make something more efficient, this is the area that they look at. So by dealing with accountants who now people expect them to bring more value than just income statements and expense sheets and running reports. Mm -hmm. If an account can bring me in and I go to a company, I'm dealing with a company in Colorado. I'm saving them a quarter of a million dollars. They're only 75 people. Yeah. A quarter of a million dollars a year. So the benefit is an interesting area and we do it a little bit differently. Yeah. We don't do it like where you just go away to a regular open market. Sure. It's more these PEOs. And I, yep. have you heard about them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key thing is the PEOs is what's interesting and it's confusing to a lot of people. And I think a lot of it gets into health insurance, right? I mean, and obviously other benefits, but the main topic that you hear so much about, and it's sure enough, it's, it's going to happen again because we have an election coming up is health insurance and a pandemic, right? So you're trying to figure out how are you covered? How can you help your employees yeah. and all that? So I guess one thing that we can go on as far as it relates to business and we just continue on from here. I like to bounce around. If you've listened to our podcast, get to the story, hey, get to no, the root. No, yeah, it. it's great. It. PEO, professional employer, organization, just in a nutshell, explain it. So any small business owner, people thinking sure. about it, or even employees that want to go talk to yep. their leaders about that, what it's all about. Yeah. So it's a terrible name because <laughs> nobody can understand what the hell it means. I didn't. I actually got to know what it's all about 15 years ago. I met a friend I used to play softball with, lost touch with him and told me he owned a PEO. And I said, what the hell is that? And he started to explain it to me. And then I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not interested. I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I went to a client three months later doing a renewal. And they said at the end of the conversation, they said, well, we'd like to thank you for your service. And I'm like, it was like a 50 person accounting firm. And I'm like, I quoted everything under the sun. So I do not understand. And they said, we looked into this thing called a PEO and we find it fascinating. So I went back to my friend with my tail between my legs and said, hey, remember when I shoot you away. I'm very interested in loaning what you have. And if I could keep this client, I'm going to loan about it. And if I think it's good, you're going to get a tremendous amount of business. And I ended up keeping the client. And basically what a PO is, a PO pools small and medium-sized companies and gives them the ability to get Fortune 500 benefits. Because when you have a lot of 10 and 20 and 30-man companies, five-man companies, and they all come together under this umbrella called a PEO, all of a sudden they have 50, 100,000 people within the PEO. And then they can go and leverage that with these insurance carriers like Blue Cross or Aetna or Oxford. So a PEO is basically a co-employment relationship between the PEO and the company or the client. And basically it's a shared responsibility. So the PO gives you the ability to purchase insurance on, on a large scale. They give you HR services. So if you have questions, if you're letting somebody go, 
Think of it as an outsourced HR department, Mm -hmm. making sure you have your handbook. They help you with compliance. Make sure that you're compliant with every state. If there's an issue with the labor department, they're part of it. They can also handle it for you. They give you payroll. They give you retirement, ability to take a 401k. So it's a a big umbrella with all the services that a lot of the small companies don't have. A lot of small companies of 10 people, they don't have a full-fledged HR department or compliance department. Now, what they do is through the payroll and through their tax ID number within their payroll that they're providing these 50,000 walkside employees of all these companies, they buy a master policy from, let's say, Blue Cross Blue Shield. So they have one tax ID number under the payroll, and then they purchase from Blue Cross Blue Shield a master policy with maybe 10 or 12 plans, which now you have an ability to go into. So you can offer your employees five plans, six plans, eight plans. You can offer your employees four or five dental plans, vision plans, dental plans with a $5,000 benefit. So you have a spectrum of plans that you're offering. So now if you're recruiting somebody and they come into your company and you're a 15 person company, you all of a sudden they say, wow, he has five medical plans, three dental plans, two vision plans, 401k, life insurance, and it's purchasing power. It's being able to go from a small group to a large group. Usually large groups are over 100 and they usually get much better benefits. So if you're a small business, they look at the demographics of your company. So I would say that if the average age of the employees on your health benefits is average age of 45 and under, you will do very well in the program. If also you don't have a lot of sick people within the company, and you really don't know too much about who's what because of HIPAA, Mm -hmm. but if somebody's, God forbid, out on cancer for three months, you'll probably know it because they'll probably be on disability. So it's really the purchasing power of a small company being able to become part of a larger group. And usually the rates could be anywhere from 20 to 30% lower on the exact same plan that you have with an Oxford or United or a Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm. Same plan, but just as a large group. So think about it. If you're paying for your company 300,000 in benefits, a 30% reduced premium, that's $90,000 difference for the same plan that you bought as a small group. So more and more companies are now coming into and using this program moving forward mm-hmm. because you really can't save too much money in the small group market going from one insurance company to another. There's maybe a 2 or 3% delta. And this kind yeah. of gives you the ability to purchase it on a larger scale. I've seen before where there's organizations that they'll charge a monthly fee So you'll have a cost for the benefits. Is there also a monthly fee to the company per participant? Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. So the way they do it is they'll charge you an administration fee because that's how they make the money. They're not allowed to make any profits on anything else. They have to sell it. Is that your company that does that or is it a second company? No, it's the PO. I'm a consultant who deals with, let's say, eight out of the top biggest POs in the United States. So you're brokering it, yep. Yeah, I basically broke. So they'll charge you, for example, I'll just give you an example. You have a PO that will charge you, let's say, $85 a month per mm-hmm. employee. Mm-hmm. But think about it this way. If I'm paying right now $800 for my medical premium, and now it's $600 for my medical premium, I'm saving $200. Mm-hmm. The expense for the PO to take you on is $80. So 
So I'm already saving in the medical more. But remember, the PO includes costs that you're currently paying. You're paying for payroll services. That's included in the 80 a month. Yep. You might be playing for a flexible spending account. You must be playing for a 401k for employment practice liability insurance. So that 80 can become a, maybe a net of 30 because yep. you're already paying for those expenses. Okay. The simple thing is I Eric, look and say, what are you paying for payroll? What are you paying currently for your medical cost? What is the PO charging you for the medical cost? And what are they charging you for the administration? And if that is lower than what you're currently paying, and they offer a lot more, then it's something that we can educate a client about and see if this is something that makes sense for him. Okay. Government involvement, government thoughts on this program, right? There's so many ways that they want to tie you into what is available, what's not available. What is government's take on this? Actually, one of the people that I know who is a managing partner of one of the POs I deal with is the chairman of NAPO, the National Association of POs. He is in Washington probably two times a month, meeting with the senators, the congressmen. They really like it because the government is all about pooling to get lower costs from the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So this to them is a way to be able to counter the insurance company costs that they're charging right now. So it's really looked very positively. You also can see it by the growth of the PEO market. There's probably maybe 935 PEOs now in the country. And the ILS certification now, that they're giving the PEOs, which means that the ILS now sees the PEOs and the client almost as a co-employment one unit. And the reason I'm saying it is because, I'll give you an example. In the old days, you might have had a PEO. They collected the money from you and then they paid the payroll, but they didn't pay the taxes on your behalf. And then the government would come back three years and say, you owe me $100,000. And you say, what are you talking about? I gave the taxes to the PEO to pay you. If you're a certified PEO now, the government entity says, if something happens and the PEO doesn't pay it on your behalf, because we recognize it as a certified relationship, you don't owe us the taxes. So the government involvement is actually in a very positive way from the structure of how they set it up and from letting you carry over the taxes when you go on the tax ID number now of the PEO. Okay. Affordable Care Act comes in, Obamacare. There's different regulations as it relates to that. So when you get into the health insurance component of it, I guess at first, how does that play itself into it? Is it the marketplace insurance products that you're getting? Is it something different? Obamacare kind of was more set up for the individual market, mm -hmm. the one or two man companies. It gave people an ability to get subsidies, mm -hmm. especially if they made under a certain income. I would say the PO is more for companies that have six people and up. That's kind of what mm -hmm. it was set up for. Yeah. So you're still using the group insurance, group health insurance program. So it's not really touching into that. Yeah. So I use the open market for the smaller companies okay. and then for companies which the 10 to 100 mark. Okay. That's kind of where the POs are most effective. Okay. Do you see any impacts coming up, whether it's with PEOs or with insurance and how things are going to play? I get it. It's more for the individual, but with an election coming up and there's uncertainty in the marketplace, are the insurance companies, are the benefit groups, are they worried at all as to like which way this goes, that there could be a... Like we talked about before, there's disruption in industry all the time. It's always happening, technology, all this. 
I guess maybe it's not even election. Maybe it's like, what disruption do you see coming towards the benefits markets to the PEO markets in the next maybe six months plus? Yeah, I don't think there's a disruption to the PO market. I think the PO market is actually trending up. Okay. I think PO started off mostly in California, Texas, then to Florida. Mm-hmm. And now they're coming up the Northeast. But even the Midwest is now really starting to use it. It's more about an education and it's about pooling and people understanding. I think that the POs are trending up because they're doing the right thing. They're leveraging the amount of people to get more competitive rates in, in the market. Okay. I don't think if it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump who's going to be, I don't think that's going to change. I think that maybe the ACA will be strengthened a little bit, the exchanges, because for individuals and smaller companies, if Biden gets elected. Yeah. But I think that the POs, it's the right time for them in the right environment. Yeah. And I think that the COVID-19 has really put a focus on the POs because the POs help their clients getting the PPP loans. Yeah. The loans for small businesses, they were very involved in helping the small businesses get that. Follows, they knew all the laws and those regulations and they helped companies with that. So it's funny, people come to POs for benefits but they don't realize how much they end up relying on the HR and the compliance after time goes by. Yeah. So I think the POs are trending upwards. And when people are looking now to cut costs in this market, in the COVID-19 market, the POs give people an opportunity to get educated about it and say, okay, I can get the same benefits to my employees. I can cut my cost, but I don't have to halt the benefits for my employees it's a win-win situation. Uh-huh. And this gives them an ability at least to look at that possibility. Got it. Zenefits is a company that comes up a lot of times when you talk to people in the insurance marketplace. I know yes. for a lot of people, it's a bad word and they've had some issues and there's other groups that are out there. And from what I, yes. I think, and you can explain this yes. more, I think they compete with the PEO market, however they describe themselves. What's your thought on those groups? Because Zenefits isn't the only one now. I think there's other ones involved. Yes, yeah, so you're shaking your head already. Like, what's your thoughts on the whole Zenefits and those types of groups? <laughs> <laughs> I've had experience with against okay. Zenefits basically what they come into clients and they basically say, Hey, we'll give you this technology, we'll give you this portal, this interactive technology. And then you just give us the medical insurance that you have mm-hmm. and let us be the broker. And then by us getting the fees that your consultant was making, you don't have to pay for the services of the portal and technology. But what I've experienced with them when they've done that is they are not familiar with all the markets. And we had a situation in New York where client went to them. And then when they came to renewals, they really did not have a strong understanding of the market mm-hmm. and the service performance wasn't there. They're not about servicing. They're about being able to get paid through the insurance for the technology that they provide. I'm not a big fan of that. Right. They're really not strong in the HR right. compliance area. So I don't think that competition. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Maybe what it does is it brings more awareness to the marketplace and then helps everybody out in a way. And they were in the news. I don't know if as much anymore because I think they had some major issues a couple of years ago. They had some major, major... They were written up. They had major issues. Major yeah. issues. Yeah. Thinking about just benefits in general, and this is where PEO organizations can come in and someone like myself, a business owner, would think about, all right, I want to recruit and I want to retain my employees. And obviously, the more you can provide someone, the better chance you have of recruiting them and obviously keeping them. Correct. 
millennials, there's, there's tons of conversations. There's tons of content about what do they want? What are they looking for? And of course, that's a generalization as to an entire generation, which is hard to say because I think people are different. But at the same time, if we were going to be generalizing here a little bit, what are they looking for? Do you want the pats on the back? Do you want more income? Where do you want to live? What types of devices do you want to use when you're at the office? Obviously, benefits plays a big part of it. What have you seen? What have the people that you work with seen as far as what millennials want yeah. when they go and work for a company, small, medium-sized group? I mean, millennials are all about social media. They're all about technology. And it's also Gen Z, I should add yes. too, because millennials are getting older. Gen Z is in the workplace now. So people do get confused. I want to just interrupt on that part. They do get confused that it's just millennials. It's actually not. Because I saw people, I was at a board meeting and they were calling this person. They were asking, what do you and your millennials think? And it was like, well, she's actually not a millennial. She's Gen Z. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there too. We have two generations now working there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Listen, when I think millennials, uh, Gen Z, as they move forward in years, especially as they get married and then they start families, Benefits becomes a big issue and benefits leads to expenses. So if you're getting a good package from an employer that you're coming in and you don't have high deductibles, kids use benefits, babies use benefits. If you're coming into a situation where you have high deductibles, high co-pays, it starts really adding up. Mm -hmm. So I think they're looking for good packages, looking for good technology. So for example, a lot of the POs now have mobile apps. You go to the doctor, you could show your car on the app. You want to know what your plan is. You just look at your app, payroll. You want to make changes to your exemption. You could do it on your app. So a lot of the better POs now are really providing very good technology. Like I've watched some demos done for clients on the technology side. And I've seen over the past couple of years, how much from a reporting standpoint to all the features, to the mobile apps that are set up. So. Listen, I think even if you're younger, you do look for attractive packages. And you know what? More and more people are understanding that they got to save money. So 401k that is being provided by a lot of these POs is something they look for too. They mm -hmm. say, you know what? My kids, they just graduated college. They have already a Roth IRA. They're putting money into a 401k. They're starting to understand. And you're taking a look at the market now with some of these stocks, Tesla, Apple. It's exciting. You put your money in and my kids are like, wow, dad, I just made a hundred dollars today. <laughs> and I'm like, good. I just made a thousand dollars today. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I bought Tesla too. Right. So <laughs> I think just the technology is a big thing. I think a, a good benefits package. Uh, and as, like I said, they have families, they want to know that they could take care of their family by the employer providing what they think they deserve for their skill that they're bringing. And these young people, a lot of them think, hey, I'm special. <laughs> yeah. And you might be, you know, we were now my job. <laughs> yeah. Your business that you've been doing this for over 25 years, I believe. And yes, yeah. how did you get into the, we're going back here a little bit, but it's funny because I'll talk to people because we have a life insurance business, a life insurance brokerage business that we have. And that's how we started this. And I talked to people and like, well, how did you get in the life insurance business? And I have this one guy and he says, well, I was tricked. Like he just ended up in the business. How did you get into this arena? How did you find yourself here? It's funny. I was in accounting for the first couple of years. My wife, she was in the same company. And I said, you know what? This is not for me. I have to find an area where I can interact with people. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me. So actually, I, that time, there was a company called Equitable. Sure. I actually did some research on the financial slash 
insurance area just to kind of understand what that's all about. Because I wanted something with a financial background. I was an accountant and I was able to take my licenses to become a financial advisor. But at the same time, the insurance area really fascinated me because I said, every company has health benefits. So that could be an area I could become an expert in. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like you said, the life insurance kind of was a big thing at that time, especially, you know, with families, people weren't making as much money. So half a million dollars sounded like you would want the lottery if you got the life insurance. Now it's four million, five right, million dollars. Right. So I just wanted something where I could be, yeah, where I wanted to interact and educate. And I started off with Equitable for three years. I met one or two guys that we became friends. And then I said, I don't want to work for somebody. I want to be out on my own. Mm -hmm. So I opened my own company. I asked my father for 25000 as a loan. He charged me a very high interest rate. <laughs> I said, Dad, this is in the mafia. Right. It's like 20%. I'm like, are you kidding me? I had to negotiate it down to yeah. like 12. He goes, it's a high-risk loan. I said, I'm your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Opened a business in Wall Street and started there. Hired my employees. My employees were out with me. Some of my employees are 30 years. I took them with like 22 years. I have two employees have been with me. Uh, Rosie and Claudia have been with me for 30 years. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wanted to be the, also the best that I could be. Yeah. All my employees are my family. Yeah. We could say anything to each other. We can talk about our issues and build a family. And, yeah. I, it's, and I love it. That's awesome. I love what I do. I wouldn't give it up for the world. That's awesome. You have to take a chance when you're young sometimes. And that's what I did. Well, good for you. I mean, that's why I love this. That's why I love these stories. And it's funny too, you mentioned Equitable. I ended up at Equitable, Equitable Distributors. No kidding. Yeah. So I got yeah, recruited sure. Equitable Distributors was here in Charlotte and we did insurance brokerage. We worked with the wirehouses and yeah. we did insurance planning for wirehouses all around the country. And Equitable Distributors changed to AXA Distributors. And then one day the CEO of AXA had come in and they shut us down. So I lost my job overnight. <laughs> Everyone got... Oh, yeah. So oh, that was sorry. the beginning. I talk about it a lot yeah. on the podcast of, yeah, I went on vacation, was in Mexico, came back, had three really weird voicemails on my phone. And I looked at my wife, who was, we were newly married at the time. And I said, I think my company just got shut down. She's like, well, why don't you go in tomorrow and see what happens? Walked in and security's <laughs> waiting for me outside the elevator to escort me. Oh but my God. while I was there, it was a great, great company. It's great opportunity. And those are the stories. And that's like you said, I didn't want to work for anybody else. I still had to put some time in and then eventually built my own business. And so I've been doing that for seven and a half years. But it's just funny when you hear all these stories of things that we've talked about, whether that's it be... Great soccer and our cultural background and where you're from and all that. It's a lot of fun. Then you drop a company like Equitable. And, and that's what it is. It's these stories. And it's fascinating to me because here someone is, you think about the insurance marketplace, PEOs, and you don't think about content. You don't think about podcasts. You don't think about these storytelling. So I'm just curious from your standpoint, right. obviously you want to help people. Is that the main reason why you want to come on a podcast like this is to educate, to inform, to help people out? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's exactly why I just started doing some podcasts. I mean, I was in my, my article published and then a lot of uh, affiliates picked it up. I think Market Watch and ABC affiliates from different states. It's wanted to educate people about this. It's a very small percentage of the market that uses the PO mm -hmm. because I don't think that the education is there. One from the brokerage community understanding it. And I, I have to tell you, it's not easy. The PO market, from my standpoint, Every company does it differently. Some companies charge us a percentage of payroll. Some companies charge, as you said, an administration cost. Some companies use fuzzy math. 
when they give proposals. <laughs> yeah. They'll tell a client, hey, you're paying $5,000 for performance management and put that on the cost on his column. And then I come back and say, they're not paying for performance management. So why are you putting the $5,000 as an expense? And they said, well, if they did, I said, but they don't <laughs> take it out. There's a lot of ins and outs in the POs. And also my big thing is, and this is important, to get into the PEO world almost 14 years ago, I developed relationships within the PEO world of knowing the owners, knowing the managing partners, knowing the presidents, knowing the equity partners. I don't deal with somebody on a sales, on a manager level. When I negotiate, I negotiate on the highest level with the heads of the companies for the administration cost and for the rate. So I can come back and they gave me a rate and I say, I want two levels down to make it where I'm going to look at you as one of my POs. Every level is about 5%. So think about it. If I have 30,000 and I got two levels down, that's 10%. Yeah. I just cut $30,000. So it's really the relationships that I've built. Mm -hmm. And when I negotiate, I'll tell the head of one PO, the other head of other POs give me a better rate. I mean, I'll probably get in trouble here, but they have a pride and they all have egos. Yeah. And the one guy is going to say to me, Give me a day. All of a sudden, he comes down 10%. They all want to win the business. They all have their pride and their ego that's important to them because they feel their company is the best. At the end of the day, it benefits my client. So yeah. when I go with a final product to a client, I go with something that is able to benefit them. Yeah. Like I said, I find that from an accounting perspective, it's a great way to do health insurance in a more efficient manner. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Well, I think it's well said. And I think it's important that you do come on these podcasts and create content and tell your stories and share an article that could get picked up by other syndicates. And, and that's what it's all about. That's what content is. And it's an opportunity to tell these stories. And like I said at the beginning, without that starting point, we can't jump into all these very interesting things that we discussed today. And then I appreciate you, Danny, coming onto the podcast and sharing these stories and, and sharing information about PEOs and entrepreneurship's a lot of fun and there's ideas and you get to go and you get to I always think about us as entrepreneurial artists and we can create whatever we want to create. You can create the business from scratch. You can do with it what you want. But there's all this other stuff that goes with it and recruiting and retaining and doing your books and your handbook. It's like these little things and they add up very fast and you need professionals around you to support that business. And that's why it's so important that you have all these different things. You know, we look at it from the life insurance side and there's things that you have to protect. Like what if you can't show up to work tomorrow because you got disabled? And these aren't the fun conversations necessarily, but they're super important to continuing that business and having a successful long-term business. This is not a short-term play. It's funny you're saying that because think about what's going on now with COVID-19. The states are not able to collect revenue anymore from sales tax because everything is closed. What do you think is going to happen? And I have friends who know people in the labor department. What do you think is going to happen once this is all done? They're going to look to collect revenue. How do they collect revenue? They're going to say to companies, you're not in compliance. You don't have these forms. Mm -hmm. We're finding you 10,000, finding <laughs> 20,000. The labor department is going to be a big area to collect the revenue for the states. Now, if you have a PEO, since it's a co-employment relationship, they take the responsibility. So the labor department comes in or Homeland Security comes in, you send them to the PO. Mm -hmm. Trust me, these guys have very good legal, okay? They have very good legal forms that represent them, but they're representing you at the same time. So you can generate revenue and you don't have to worry about the non-revenue generating areas because you have the PO backing you. And that's kind yeah. of what I like about this concept also. Yeah, that's awesome.
We have clients that are in the benefits industry because we do point of sale distribution for life insurance for their clients. And so we have an understanding of it maybe more than some other companies, but that's not our specialty. So it's definitely something that we could talk about and I could share with you some insights another time and say, Hey, what do you think? What should we do? And we try to provide benefits in all the way, you know, give them cell phone, give them cell phone packages, give them computers. And they're everyone's, every company's at a different place. Like how much do they even want to invest? How much would they not want to invest? I think it'd be great. Just have our conversation today. There's a lot of trust that's built up in that just to have a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah. Listen, I'd love to have a conversation because may, there might be things that you guys do that might be of value to my clients. And trust me, I deal with a lot of life insurance and financial advisors who mm-hmm. they have the license. They don't do the health insurance. They don't have the expertise in the PO. And yeah. they'll call me up and say, Hey, could you speak to a client of mine? Could you educate them about this? And then we share the revenue, obviously, because they're licensed. And now we're able to bring something to each other. Yeah. And I'll tell you a quick story. So you're talking about my son being a goalie. Yeah. So my son played in the Maccabee games. Oh, yeah. In the United States. So we actually was hosted by New York. And it was international. So there was England, the Mexico. There was like a lot of international. They got whooped (laughs) in the preliminary rounds by uh, the United Kingdom. Six to one. My son played goalie half the time and then somebody else. We actually made it all the way to the finals against the United Kingdom. Wow. They were so good. It wasn't funny. Every kid was like six foot one and yeah. then like 14, 15 years old. Yeah. My son probably put the performance of a lifetime. We were down uh, two to one and my son's best friend tied it on the last kick of the game. Oh, okay. Wow. It was a free kick from about the uh, 30 yards out. Wow. I mean, everybody went wild. Yeah. And it was it was the Maccabee gold medal final. Yeah. The English parents were costing my son. <laughs> this bloody kid. I can't believe he made this. And I was like laughing. And they went to penalty shots. And my son saved three penalty shots, but we couldn't hit the side of a bomb. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, were yeah, so yeah. exhausted. Uh, we lost the penalty shots, I think, uh, two to one. Yeah. But the reason I'm telling you this story, which was so cool, and the pleasure of being a father of a goalie, he was sitting on the bench with his head down. It was a great game. And I see the coach of the United Kingdom and two players, they walk over to my son and I was a parent, so I was standing. And I saw them talking to my son, putting their hand on his shoulder and they gave him the flag of the United Kingdom. And they walked away and I said, later on, I said to my son, what happened? And he said to me that they came over they said it was probably the best performance they've ever seen by a goalie. And they gave me the flag and they said, it just meant so much to us. Even playing against you, we want you to have our flag. Wow. And it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. It was the coolest silver medal that I've ever experienced with the kids. But yeah. he still has that flag. I'm sure. And I thought to be presented from another team for your effort with the country's flag, which just, I thought was very, very cool. Oh, it's amazing. So I'm so glad you shared it. And there's something too about, I heard someone else talking about it on the radio yesterday, randomly. I don't listen to the radio that much, more listen to podcasts and music. And they were talking about competing. It was actually Earl Campbell. He played for the Houston Oilers back in the day. I remember. And he just said, I loved competing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what's funny is in the playoffs, they would lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is a little <laughs> bit before my time when I was watching, but you know yeah. Earl Campbell. And he, you could just hear the passion about, I just loved competing against the Steelers. Even though they lost, they loved competing. Yep. And some of his best games were that. And it's like you said, there's this whole thing about winning and losing. It's all about you have to win. There's so much more about 
these games. Like, yeah, ultimately, the ultimate goal is to win that championship. But there's just so much else that's going on. And to have that experience that you had, it sounds like the UK was like, they just loved competing against your son. And they were just excited to be like, wow, what a challenge, what an opportunity is to play against someone who's playing at this level. I mean, how cool is that? Every year I go away. It's a trip uh, to one of the vendors to Dominican Republic, Casa de Campo. We play golf. There's about 60 guys. Do you remember OJ Anderson from the New York Giants? He used to play running back for the New York oh, Giants. for he sure. Won, he won yeah, the Super yeah. Bowl. <laughs> and then uh, Rick Cerrone, he used to be a catcher for the New York Yankees. Yeah. They're on this trip. I know them seven years. I've been going with them. I've never seen <laughs> the funniest stories football players and baseball players could tell you about their lifestyle. <laughs> especially when they were drinking a lot on the trip. Stuff comes out that I'll take it to the grave with me. (laughs) Yeah. So OJ Anderson was the running back when... Against Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. That was like... Against Buffalo. Yeah, because the Bills couldn't get... The whole game plan... It was like ninth. It was doing the... That was 90. Yeah, that was Super Bowl 25. Because I remember it. We were holding hands on the sidelines and we were holding hands in our house that he missed the kick. My gosh. But the whole game plan, because Buffalo's offense was was so good that they had to keep the ball away from him. And that was Belichick and Parcells. And it's like the Bills were this superior team, but the Giants had this superior game plan. And they kept, they had that drive. And I think it was the third quarter, right? And they held the ball for like 10 something minutes and kept Kelly off the, yeah, Yeah. yeah, so you have to drop that name today just to like stick it in there a little bit. OJ told us, yeah. (laughs) OJ said, I was so, so after the game, I pretended to move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. he goes, I couldn't even feel anything. Yeah. But he said that we executed the game plan to the perfection. And yeah. then that missed kick was just everything. Well, that's what they needed. I mean, that's what you need in a game like that is to have perfect execution. I mean, Buffalo was inexperienced, perhaps, because that was their first Super Bowl. But their talent yeah. level and their offense was so good. And they just, you put 19 points on the board with that team. It didn't make any sense, but it was because of the other team and their game plan. So going back to soccer and being France real quick with the Champions League coming up, the PSGs and the, do you, do you follow them? Do you still follow Champions League soccer and yeah. PSG? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big Liverpool fan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I'm a huge <laughs> That last year when they came back and beat Barcelona in Liverpool oh, yeah. after being down like, I don't know, four. Nine. It was the sickest game I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, I enjoyed the beauty of the game. Like you got people who play baseball and they don't understand the game. Yeah. But if you understand tactically how the game is and you play it the right way, yeah. it's just a beautiful game to watch. Yeah. I mean, you watch it someplace, you know. Yeah. I appreciate you coming and sharing these stories. What's the best way, Danny, people can get a hold of you, learn about your business and how to work with you? Sure. So they can reach me on my website, which is www.acmgmt.com. They can get me on LinkedIn, Danny Nessum, or they can, if anybody wants to call me, it's uh, 516-375-9307. That's my cell. It's always open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my wife says, shut it off during dinner time, at least. <laughs> That's the time off. Yeah. <laughs> That's my time off. So I don't answer, but any of the three ways. And my point is, I'll be able to have a conversation, just educate. If it's something that people think makes sense for them, fine. And if it's not, 100%. Yeah. But I'll be able to give them at least the education. Yeah. No, it's important to have people like yourself that have that type of knowledge and you're not looking to close every single deal. There's too many businesses, there's too many people out there you'll get enough. You've done well for yourself. And it's like we said at the beginning, it's just amazing being here and having this conversation. And who knows, right? You never know who you're going to talk to. This has been awesome, Danny. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you, Eric. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. One of my favorite things about CadSource is the opportunity to chat with amazing business leaders and entrepreneurs. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn or visit us at CadSource.com. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, Entrepreneur Perspectives, building and protecting your business one podcast at a time. This episode exists because of CadSource. CadSource is your content team. You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? That's what we do. Content strategy, creation, and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CadSource, we exist to help you create and share amazing content. And yes, you should have a podcast. We'll help you. Learn more by visiting kezcontent.com.